teacher friend. Welcome to another episode of Simply Teach, a podcast for teachers and by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. I'm a former teacher turned classroom organization and management coach. My passion is to help teachers just like you organize, manage, just love their classrooms. Each episode is full of simple ways to engage your students, stay motivated, and keep up with best practices. Because y'all, I know teaching is hard, but I am so glad that you're here. Hey teachers, you are listening to episode number 21. This week is a mini-sode all about teacher self-care. We are well into October, aka Shocktober, and it's a crazy time right now. Kids are just getting settled into their routines. They've learned what boundaries they can and can't push. Grades are due around this time. Parent conferences are happening. 504s and R's are starting. Thanksgiving break is on the horizon, but still, you feel like you're drowning. Today, I talk about some routines you can put in place to help manage your time better and practice self-care. I'm excited for you to hear it, and I hope that you will put some of these ideas into practice. Come find me on Instagram at the Simply Organized Teacher and let me know what you're doing to practice self-care. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast or the video, whichever platform you're listening on today. I'm here to talk about routines that you can practice in your teaching career to help you manage your time. Um, you can hear Milo right now. He's getting himself situated. <sighs> Goodness gracious. He just ripped the blanket off the back of the chair and is now uh, making himself a cozy little spot underneath the desk. So he'll be here. Scott's right here next to me. So you might hear some ringing of the dog collars during the video or podcast today. Sorry. But um, as I was saying, I'm frustrated because I recorded this video over a month ago, was ready to edit it. Um, Like, I don't, I guess the file corrupted because I tried saving it. It wouldn't save. It was too big. My husband and I have probably gotten at least four fights over trying to get my computer fixed so that I could save this video only to find out we finally did all this work and the video was corrupted. I didn't even like go and look that it was corrupted. So I'm taking that as just God's way of being like, nope, what I wanted you to say is not what you said. So we're going all over again. So we're here today talking about routines that you can practice as a teacher to help you manage time a little bit better. We're right in the middle of October right now, which if you've heard me on any of the other podcasts or any blogs, refer to October as Shocktober, which I'm sure you've heard of before me. But October is a really hard month and kids are just settling into their routines and understanding like what boundaries they can push and what boundaries they can't push. And they want to test you and test your patience and more like now everything's settling in from the administration side and what they're expecting of you and meetings and parent conferences and just all the stuff that happens in October can be really overwhelming and really stressful. So today we're going to talk about 10 things that you can do to build into your day routine so that way you can manage your time a little bit more effectively and be sure that you're leaving school on time. I also wanna wrap up the blog talking about some ways that you can practice self-care as a teacher because we know that that is so important. So we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna try and get through this real quick because I promised myself since I had to record this again that if I can get it done by, I don't know, in the next 30 minutes that I can go get myself a coffee from this cute little coffee shop down the street. So that's what we're aiming for, here we go. So when we talk about routines for teachers, really what we're trying to do here is create rhythms and rhythms of our day, rhythms of our week. So that way 
we're kind of in a flow of what we're doing each and every day. The first thing that you can do, and this isn't one of my 10 because I talk about this everywhere, but you need to give everything a home. Remember, I've talked about all over the place that if you give everything a home, then you're not spending time trying to find where this goes or find that thing or put this away because everything has a spot to go. So make sure that even if it's the middle of the school year right now and you didn't set up your classroom that organized, that's okay. Start giving everything a home now. So that way, as the year progresses, you have those routines in place. Also, I wanna mention that video quality may not be top notch today, which it hasn't been lately. I don't know what the deal is. I'm clearly not a video person. I'm just doing my best here, but um, I've already packed up all my equipment to video with, so I'm like bootlegging this. Um, I'm sitting the computer on top of the boxes we're supposed to move out of. I've got a lamp from the guest bedroom in here to provide more lighting. It's just, it's a hot mess. Um, so I'm sorry if video quality isn't that good. Number one, set timers. And I mean that for your students and I mean that for yourself. So with your students, that is setting timers of, okay, we're gonna work on this for 20 minutes when the timer goes off, we're moving on. This gives kids the, it sets that boundary for them that they know that after the timer goes off, work is ceasing. Uh, a big thing I learned my first year was I would say, oh, we're gonna work on this for 20 minutes, and then 20 minutes would go by and my kids wouldn't have anything done. I'd be like, oh, well, let's spend 10 more minutes. And I'd keep going and going, and then I'd A, run out of time. My kids would never get anything done, and then I'd be frustrated because now I have to spend the next day finishing yesterday's, but it was all my fault because I kept allowing them, if they didn't finish, I allowed them to just do it the next day. So why would they rush? It didn't matter. So setting timers and then sticking to those timers. Now, that I'm not saying that if they don't finish in the amount of time that, oh, now you have to go work during recess. No, I don't think that's the best idea either. But giving them those routines and then having a, something in place for when they don't finish on time, what they're going to do to complete it. So maybe it now becomes homework that they have to take home. Or it becomes work that they do in morning work the next morning. A lot of times my morning work routine was come in, finish whatever you didn't finish yesterday, and then you can do the morning work thing. So that way there was a time built in for them to work on something they didn't complete. Um, as far as taking away recess or lunch detention, I, I did it, so I'm not saying don't, uh, but I was very particular about which kids I did it with, how frequently I did it with them. If it's a kid that every day is having a missed recess, well clearly there's something else going on and you need to get to the root of that issue first. Um, yes, sometimes I would take recess. I would say, okay, you didn't finish in class. You've had four days in class to finish this and four morning works and you're still not done because you're just sitting there. You're not trying. Okay, well now we're going to take away your recess time and you're going to work during that. And guess what? They got it done. Anyways, timers for yourself. So at the end of the day, set a, you know, once the day's over, you set a 20 minute timer to work on this task. You set a 30 minute timer to work on this task, whatever. Set yourself timers and hold to them. I also would encourage you to set timers for maybe a couple days a week are your late days. So set a timer that at five o'clock, that means it's time to go home. But then every other day of the week, set it for four o'clock or 3.45 or whatever time is the earliest time you can leave. So that way time gets away from us because there's so much to do. So if you set those timers, it kind of alerts you of how much time has passed. So that way you can be intentional about leaving on time. Tip number two is to plan a year at a glance or curriculum map. I did a whole video, a whole podcast, a whole blog on curriculum mapping. But basically what that is, is laying out your entire year at the beginning of the year or whenever you're listening to this, or maybe 
do uh, by semester, but mapping out kind of where you're coming from and where you're going so that way when it comes time to plan, you're not having to figure out, well, what unit are we on or what activities am I going to do? If you go and watch the curriculum mapping video, basically what I do is I break down week by week what unit I'm teaching, what TEKS, because I'm in Texas, or Common Core Standards, um, I'm teaching that week. And then I would even write in certain Teachers Pay Teachers activities I had or resources or anything that I really wanted to make sure I used. So that way I wasn't having to take the brain space of figuring out what I was going to do to teach it. I already know what I'm going to do. Now I just need to map it out and calendar it. Number three is to come up with lesson planning days. So um, it kind of ties in with number four, which is a weekly routine. So I'm going to talk about number three and number four together in one thing. So number three is lesson planning days, and number four is day of the week routines. So essentially what my week looked like is every Monday was like, I, I made a, a schedule for my um, planning time, and I made a schedule for my after school's time. So Monday during planning time was like catch up from whatever I didn't finish the week before. Tuesday was preparing for student council since I was the advisor. Wednesday was, I think that was like team meeting days. So every day, every week on Wednesday, I didn't plan any parent meetings. I didn't plan to get any work done. I knew that that time was dedicated to meeting with my team. Thursdays was, I think, PLC day. And then Friday during planning time was my time to actually get my materials ready for the upcoming week. In the afternoon, after school was over, Mondays was my day to plan with my teaching partner. Tuesdays was my student council days. Wednesdays was my faculty meeting days. Thursdays were my days that I sat down and actually mapped out my plans for the next week so that I could make my list of all the resources I needed. So Friday morning during my planning time, I could come in and prep all those materials. So just setting up those routines of what you're going to do every single day kind of um, freeze up. You're no longer like, oh shoot, what am I going to plan for this week? I've got this meeting. I've got all this. What am I going to do? Well, you know that every Thursday afternoon is your time to lesson plan. You don't have to worry about trying to find a time during the week to do it. You already know that it's coming. And then I would plan my parent meetings. Of course, meetings with parents or 504 or RTI meetings come up. That's fine. Then you make those adjustments, but having that kind of baseline, again, it's creating those rhythms, that baseline of what your week is going to look like so you know what to expect. Okay, so apparently number three, four, and five were all related. I have three as a lesson planning routine. Um, four was a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like talk about that routine. Number five was, I don't know why I'm showing three, three, four, and five was um, a week plan, which I just kind of went over. Number six, I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit. Just learn to say no. You're going to have to. There are nice ways to say no. Um, I think I wrote about them in the show notes for this uh, podcast and video. Learn to say no. I've even, like, you can, I know this sounds silly, but you can search it on Pinterest, nice ways to say no. I know that Lisa Turkhurst of Proverbs 31 Ministry, I joined her email list months ago, and I got an email of, like, polite ways to say no. We have to learn to say no. I think, um, here's where my get on my soapbox. I think as teachers, we get taken advantage of because we're women. We um, want to do what's best for our kids. We want to please people. We want to take care of people. Someone, someone come in, so when someone comes and asks us to do something, asks us for their help, we want to say yes. We want to do it, even if we know that that means sacrificing something else. Um, you have to learn to say no. 
especially as a new teacher, a first year teacher, that can be hard. I know for me, I dealt with a lot of, because I didn't, I wasn't married. I didn't have a husband or even a boyfriend at that time. I didn't have kids. I think people thought, well, she has time to do it. She can, she can do it. Let's let her do it. And I didn't know how to say no. I didn't feel comfortable saying no. So I kept doing all these things that were not my responsibility that, um, were not mine to do because I didn't know how to say no. So learn how to say no and feel confident saying no. I'm not saying say no to everything. And there's times where you can't say no, you have to do something, but giving yourself permission to not take on every single task is okay. You can't be everybody's hero. You can't be everybody's savior. Sometimes you're just going to have to say no, because just remember when you say, yeah, sure, I'll do that. You're saying no to something else, even if you don't know what it is at that time. So just be really intentional. Don't, you know, you don't always have to give a decision right away. Um, you can ask for time to think about it and, and really think about it or pray about it or, you know, talk with your family about if taking on, you know, being this sponsor for this club or being an advisor for this committee or, you know, doing this extra, um, like I know I was asked to be a, I don't even remember what it was, like a bilingual advocate or something. I, I don't even remember what it was, but it came with a stipend. So it was like, oh yeah, I want to do that. But the first year I was asked to do it, I said no, because the money that I was going to get was not worth the time that it was going to take to commit to it. And I mean, yeah, it was hard to say no, because I don't like to disappoint people. I like money. Um, but at that time, it just wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have the time to commit to it. The following year when I was asked, I was able to do it and it was fine. Um, it's just all about really being intentional about the time you have and what you're willing to say yes and say no to. So learn how to say no, feel confident saying no, it's okay, I promise. Number seven, keep a to-do list on your desk. So I always have a notepad right in front of my computer and when I'm teaching and something comes up, oh, I need to email this parent, I say, give me one second kids, I go write it down. Now I no longer have to worry about remembering it. Um, it's already written down and then I can deal with it when I have time later. Another great thing is the app called Wonderlist, W-E-W-U-N-D-E-R-L-I-S-T. And, um, I like it because it lets you, well here, I'll show you real quick. It lets you, let's see. Yeah. It lets you create a bunch of lists and then within those lists, you can create more lists. It's having trouble focusing. So there's more list. Within those lists, I can create sub list. Um, so, and then it like makes a little ding noise whenever you check something off, which is really gratifying for people who like to complete to-do lists. But that's something that you always have your phone with you most likely. So when you're walking in the hall and something pops in your mind, just I kept a list on my master list of like school. And anytime something would pop up, I would just write it there and... Um, then I could translate it to my master to-do list or take care of it whenever I needed to. So keep a to-do list around at all times. All right, number eight is hard for somebody like me who likes to talk, but limiting your time that you're talking to teachers. Again, going back to my first year, um, school would end. Kids were picked up by 310. I would make my rounds to all my teacher friends and finally make it back to my classroom about 4, 4.15. Um, and then work for a couple hours because that's what you do, I guess. I don't know. What a waste of time. Uh, yeah, friendships are important. Talking with teachers is important. Go to happy hour and do that. Get your work done and 
an hour and then go to happy hour. Way better than wasting your time at like right after school. Um, if that's really important to you, set a 10 minute timer to go talk to somebody. Kind of, I mean, we're around kids all day. We need like adults to talk to. But set that timer. Be mindful of how much time you're spending talking because that time will slip right away from you. And again, it goes back to what's more important. Is talking with your teacher friends more important than getting your work done so you can get home at a decent time and go on that run? Or is going on that run more important than talking with your teacher friends? So just kind of balancing what's important and being intentional about that. All right, number nine is another Kelly Get On Her Soapbox, which I really don't ever get off, but not everything has to be perfect, y'all. Not everything has to be Pinterest worthy. Not everything has to be Instagram worthy. And that's okay. Did you hear me? That's okay. Laminating is what comes to mind. So my first year, I spent all this time, like every game I made, I laminated it. I had my mom come up and like print off all these um, Kagan activities that I got in my Kagan book, which were great. Had her print, print them off, laminate them, cut them out, all this stuff. I had other parents, like kids' parents come up and do that. Guess what? After two years, I wasn't in that grade level anymore and those resources weren't, I couldn't use them. Um, so all that time was wasted. All those resources were wasted. I finally learned that if it's something I'm only going to use once or twice during a year, don't worry about laminating it. Just tell your kids to be careful with it. Um, I think sometimes we think we need to laminate so that it looks nicer or it's better taken care of, but kids can take care of things if you tell them. Um, so not everything has to be perfect. Not everything has to look great. Anchor charts, you get on Instagram and there are so many people who are awesome at making anchor charts. Guess what? That's not my gift. And I don't make cute anchor charts. Like that's just the end of it. Um, but at the end of the day, the anchor chart is for the kid, not for me. So they don't really care what it looks like or how cute it is or how fancy your handwriting is. I don't think they care about that. I don't think they remember that. If that's something that's important to you, then do that because that brings you joy and um, you have fun doing that. That's fine. But don't, if it's not a strength of yours or it's not a gift of yours, don't feel guilty about just saying no to making it look Pinterest worthy or Instagram worthy. I think a lot of times as teachers, we do things for our kids. We, we do things that we think we're doing for our kids, but they're really more for us. So real quick, I want you to take a second and think about your uh, because mainly who I'm talking to is elementary teachers, I want you to think about your elementary classrooms, your elementary teachers, and I want you to take 10 seconds and think about what you remember about those teachers or those classrooms. Okay, so when I think about elementary, I think about my third grade teacher, Miss Dye. I don't really remember what the classroom looked like. Um, I do remember her always giving me... Um, what were they called? Like, you know how you used overheads and the plastic sheets that you, the teacher, like she'd print off the math warm up onto the plastic sheet and then she'd write on, on the overhead. She would give me those so I could play school with them. I remember that. I remember my fifth grade teacher was a bitch. Uh, I won't say her name because that's rude. Um, I remember my second grade teacher had like really bright lipstick and she was really nice. Um, I remember my sixth grade math teacher. I do kind of remember that classroom. Not really. Uh, but I remember her, like, this awesome project we did. And I remember her talking with me about picking my schedule for the next year. Um, 
and her telling me, you know what, I think you can go into higher level math, but if you don't feel comfortable, then, then do on level. That's okay. And I remember her giving me that freedom and telling me that she believed in me. Uh, that's what I remember. I do not remember anchor charts. I don't remember classroom jobs. I don't remember how cute the classroom was or how it was decorated. I don't remember any of that. And I don't think our kids will either. What they're going to remember is the environment you create, the way you make them feel. And if you wear like bright lipstick, they'll remember that too, maybe. Um, but I think when I started like stepping back and realizing I was doing this stuff more for me, which is okay. Like you spend a lot of time in there. You want your classroom to be cute and feel homey and feel welcoming. That's okay. But when I realized that I was spending all this time trying to make it look the certain way for myself and that my kids weren't really going to notice it or take interest in it. I felt better about saying no to doing a lot of those cutesy things or spending a lot of time on making anchor charts because, like I said, it wasn't my gift and it just wasn't worth my time because it wasn't something that brought me a ton of joy. The last thing I want to talk about kind of ties in with number nine, which is not feeling like everything needs to be perfect. If it's important to you that things are laminated or that things are perfect or that things look really nice, you... Plan ahead and utilize your parents. If you're using the curriculum app, like I mentioned um, a few minutes ago, and you kind of know where you're going and what's coming up, that's great because now you can get those resources ready. You can get them printed off, uh, keep a basket in your classroom for parent volunteers, email a certain parent to come in and help you, whatever it is that works best for you to get parent volunteers. But just as long as you're planning ahead and you are thinking through what things you need and what resources and what activities you want to do, then you can have parents come up and make them and laminate them. If that's important to you, I have some friends who um, they laminate almost everything because that's important to them, which is fine. Do that. Utilize parents that can help you with that because more often than not, parents want to help. Uh, give them something useful to do. So those are 10 things you can do as a teacher to help kind of establish some routines in your classroom. Teacher friends, I want to take a second to tell you about my ebook, The Simply Organized Classroom. This ebook is full of tips, tricks, ideas, and resources for you. There's seven different chapters. Here, I'll read them to you really quick. First chapter is Looking Pretty, Classroom Layout and Aesthetics. Chapter two, The Simply Organized Classroom Organization Tips. Chapter three, establishing an environment, classroom management plans. Chapter four, staying sane in the classroom, establishing routines. Chapter five is taking back your time, time management techniques. Chapter six, smiles, tears, and fears, tips for first year teachers. And chapter seven is teaching isn't just in the classroom, school dynamics. So I talk about each of those things in the ebook. You can get it by heading over to the Simply Organized Teacher website. Click shop on the top menu bar and you'll see it right there. You can also use the code SIMPLYTEACH to get 10% off any purchases you make in the shop. Next, I want to go over just a few. I reached out on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff, and uh, asked for some ideas of ways that people practice self-care as a teacher. So I'm gonna read some of those off for you. So here's what some of y'all said. C. Jones at 1981 said that wine, reading, and exercising is what helps to rejuvenate her. I like all of those things. Not really exercising, but wine and reading for sure. At Cass, 922 said she cleans, yep, reads, yep, exercises, eh. Sits by the trees, learns something new, makes something, and random acts of kindness to help her rejuvenate. 
Um, I agree. Cleaning is like a huge stress reliever for me. I love what Melissa Affleck said. I have tea time right after work to separate work from home. And if you go back to episode number two with Holly Sadler, one of my good friends who is now a counselor at a charter school here in Texas, uh, we have a conversation about how my second year, which I've nicknamed the year from hell, um, how I remember, I still remember this to this day, her advice of telling me, come home, change out of your clothes, put on fresh clothes, put on lounge clothes, whatever, change out of your school clothes uh, to kind of help separate school and home. Um, So I think that's something, if you create a routine that every day you come home and you do this to kind of transition your brain into, okay, I'm no longer in school mode, I'm in personal home life mode. My friend at Christina Grant from, I believe she was on episode number six, she messaged me and said that she works out, which if you go watch her Instagram stories, that's not a lie. She works out a lot. Um, And Christina, hopefully one day I will get there just like you. At Unique Trust, I believe, said meditation, weekend getaways, love, love, love cruises and walks on the beach. Guys, I think that's so important. And um, I sent out an email to my email subscribers last, like at the end of last year, uh, an email about taking vacation and how it's okay as teachers we're told save up your days especially as women save up your days in case you have a baby one day you need to have those days um save them up in case your kid is sick and you need to take care of them whatever I get that I saved up all my days and I left my district last year with 20 days that were state days so the district can't pay me out for them By the time I realized I was moving, there were only like 30 days left in the school year. And I wasn't going to take 20 days off and leave my kids in that. So I basically gave up 20 days of vacation um, to work that I didn't need to. Um, Yes, I believe in keeping a bank of days. But man, what a shame that I was too nervous to take off, go on trips, take mental health days. And now I've just, I've lost them. Another friend of mine said she started therapy and that helped her. Guys, I'm such a big fan of therapy. Um, I've been in therapy three different times in my life. I'm currently in therapy right now. Um, My counselor is doing online therapy with me once we move to Germany because it's that important to me. So if work is stressful to you, or even if it's not, but therapy can be a really good way to kind of Just separate home and school life, somebody to help you do that and to help you pour into yourself. One person said she gets a massage at least once a month and she also gets a mani or a pedi once a month, which I think is great. Um, She was saying how she kind of spaces them out. So it's like massage, a couple weeks later, manicure, a couple weeks later, it's not the next month for the next massage. I know that that can be expensive, but again, on my soapbox, we spend so much money on our kids and so much money on buying stuff for our classroom and snacks and Uh, crafts and all that stuff for our kids, but we don't want to spend money on like treating ourselves once or twice a month. Guys, come on. We got to take care of ourselves. My teacher friend, Catherine, she said praying, happy hour, and laughter were things that helped her stay positive about school. I loved working with Catherine. We actually prayed in the morning during the moment of silence together sometimes. Not every morning, but some mornings. And it was usually because one of us would come in like in a bad mood, whatever, And the other one would be like, let's pray. And that accountability was so good. We'd gather up our team. We'd circle up. It was a really special time. And I'm grateful for the time that we spent doing that. Um, You know that happy hour is like my jam. I will always do that. 
encourage teachers to go to happy hour. You can vent for a little while, but you can't let it take up the whole time because that can get dangerous too. All right, so those are some things that you can do to help you manage your time so that you can take care of yourself and you can be the best teacher that you can be for your kids. I wanna wrap up this episode really quick by reading a quote from the book that I'm currently kind of reading, uh, The Book of Joy. And it's a book between, I, I've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast or uh, on my Instagram, but it's a book between the Dalai Lama and the Archbishop. And I I read this quote and it really hit me um, as something that I think applies to teachers a lot. So let me read it and then we'll wrap up this episode. So as you rightly mentioned, a self-centered attitude is the source of the problem. We have to take care of ourselves without selfishly taking care of ourselves. If we don't take care of ourselves, we can't survive. We need to do that. We should have wise selfishness rather than foolish selfishness. Foolish selfishness means you think just only of yourself. You don't care about others. You bully others, exploit others. In fact, taking care of others, helping others, ultimately is the way to discover your own joy and to have a happy life. So that is what I call wise selfishness. I really like that because I think as teachers, we can get in the mindset that we don't have enough time, that taking care of ourselves, the kids are more important. And I think that's a problem in our teaching world right now is that everything is about the kids. And it is about the kids, guys. We have to take care of our kids. These kids, some of them don't have anybody to advocate for them. So I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that we can't pour into our kids and take care of our kids the right way if we don't take care of ourselves first. And so I hope that you listen to this episode and I hope that you realize how important it is to take care of yourself. I just believe so fully in the act of taking care of ourselves over taking care of our kids because we can't take care of our kids if we don't take care of ourselves first. Um, you've got to find things that bring you joy, things that fill you up, things that you enjoy that you can do so that when times get tough or when you do have to stay late um, or you have a kid that's really like just driving you up the wall, you have something to escape to. So I hope that this episode encourages you. I hope that Milo agrees with me. I hope that you make it a priority to find time for yourself this week. Go listen to my episode, uh, Simply Teach number 18 with Sarah Forrest. She talks about her reaching burnout and finding 10 minutes twice a week to do nothing that was like get, checking off a to-do list or doing something for school. And how at first it was so it was so hard for her to find those 10 minutes. And then now she's like, are you kidding me? I couldn't find 10 minutes twice a week. Um, guys, I promise you, if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to be burnout. We can't, we, we cannot do that to our kids. More than anything, we can't burn out for our kids because then we don't get to be there for them. Go find something to do for yourself this week. Take care of yourself. Remember with this episode, the resource guide is a self-care challenge. So become a patron of the podcast, of the blog, of the YouTube channel, all that. You can go to patreon.com slash the Simply Organized Teacher and you will get a self-care challenge, a resource guide to help you come up with things to do and celebrate you and all that you have to offer. Talk to y'all soon. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. If you have a minute, will you head over to iTunes to rate and review the podcast? Super easy and how other people will find the podcast. 
I also want to remind you about Patreon, the online platform that allows patrons to contribute monthly to the podcast and the blog. You can choose from one of three tiers, and depending on which tier you choose, you get additional content from me. There's a $2 tier, a $5 tier, and $15 tier. You can head to patreon.com slash the Simply Organized Teacher to read more information and sign up to contribute. I'll see y'all next week. Friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simply Teach. Don't forget to head over to the simplyorganizedteacher.com for all of the show notes, links to things we talked about, and you can sign up for my email list there. Also, be sure to find the Facebook group because I want to be your social media friend. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com. 